0: Lifelock alerts you to identity threats you might miss, and if your identity is stolen, your dedicated US-based restoration specialist will work to fix it. Let Lifelock help protect what you've worked so hard for. Save 25% off your first year on Lifelock Ultimate Plus at lifelockcom aware. Terms apply. Welcome to Hashtag Gen Z. I'm your host, Megan Grace. <laughs> Hashtag Gen Z is a podcast about, as you guessed it, Generation Z, the generation of young people born between 1995 and 2010. It's about who they are, what they believe in, why they do what they do, and what makes them different than any other generation. In this episode, we're talking about Generation Z and social media, something I found fascinating since my days of MySpace. Many in Generation Z probably don't even remember what MySpace is. That's because Facebook has been the predominant social media platform since it became public to all users in 2006. And numerous social media platforms have emerged since then. YouTube, Twitter, Instagram, Snapchat, just to name a few. You could probably guess by observation alone that Generation Z are not strangers to social media by any means. They've always been in a world in which social media exists. The oldest were only nine when Facebook officially launched to college students only. As they've grown up, they've shifted their perspectives on social media. Just imagine growing up in a world in which you are developing your identity online as well as in person in real life. So what social media is Generation Z using? In a 2017 study by Statista, Snapchat, Facebook, and Instagram were the most widely used social media platforms among users aged 13 to 24. So pretty much all of Generation Z teens and young adults. Most of the time we're looking at social media use when Generation Z or young people are turned about 13 because most social media platforms require that you be at least 13 years of age. But if you stayed up to date with platform updates, or in the ever-changing algorithms, you'll know social media is changing rapidly. We're seeing some platforms come in and out, and we're also seeing that these changes are influencing usership and sustainability. Another thing to note is that Generation Z is not using every platform uniformly, and some are opting out of using certain platforms altogether. For this topic, I wanted to get a Generation Z perspective on social media from someone who's a content creator, community contributor, is incredibly knowledgeable about social media, and not just because she uses it in her personal life, but because she's been providing social media guidance and consulting for professionals for years now, and she's just about to graduate from college. My guest this episode is Natalie Riso, a senior at the University of Southern California. But Natalie isn't your typical college student. She's a two-time LinkedIn top voice, a former LinkedIn campus editor, and has published worked in Startup Grind and Variety.com. She also mentors professionals on personal branding and is a pitching coach for tech startups. Natalie started on LinkedIn with just a few connections, but now has over a quarter million followers. Hi, Natalie. Thank you so much for joining me today and chatting a little bit about social media. So, you know, tell me just a little bit about yourself, kind of your experiences so far in life.
1: Sure. Um, First of all, thank you for having me. Yeah, you know, I, I kind of had a unique social media story in the fact that I wasn't huge on Facebook or Instagram or a lot of these platforms that I think most of the students my age are into. To sort of give background, I'm actually a senior at the University of Southern California. I'm 21 years old, but my main platform has been LinkedIn. So I started writing in 2015 on the platform as part of actually an internship. And it was one of those things where I didn't really think it was going to go anywhere, But then, you know, as sort of time progressed, and I continued to write on the platform after my internship, I had a couple articles that did really well, mostly around, you know, some of my failures in trying to find a job. And I was contacted by the head millennials editor at LinkedIn, who at the time was Maya Pope Chappelle. She said, you know, we had this LinkedIn campus editor thing, we're going to try it out. And I thought it was a really interesting concept. So I joined that you know, and before you know it, I was named LinkedIn top voice of 2015 and 2016. And throughout it all, I've kind of just been, you know, building a following on the platform, but not in the, you know, bikini model way of Instagram, more in the, you know, being very transparent about some of my successes and failures, both professionally and personally.
0: And I can say that I think I just recently got back into LinkedIn and our mutual connection. This has been a big part of that, you know, making sure I'm following the right people. He's so great at it. Um, but now you're definitely one of the influential people that I follow on LinkedIn. Where I'm like, oh, Natalie thought she liked that. I should give this a look. Um, so you definitely have such a strong following. and I think that's so interesting because, as you've said, you haven't done it in some of the more traditional route that some of your generation might be utilizing in terms of social media. I talked a little bit about kind of how you've gravitated towards LinkedIn, but Really, what motivated you to utilize LinkedIn over, say, Facebook or Instagram or Twitter? Or if you're on those... What kind of motivates you to utilize those?
1: Yeah, LinkedIn has always been my base. That's for sure. I think that for me, I was always, how should I put it? I was a little bit more nerdy. (laughs) I was very into, you know, having these really intellectual conversations. And you can even tell now when you look at my LinkedIn profile that I have a lot of different interests. Like I've done stuff in Hong Kong and I've done stuff in entertainment and social media and just a bunch of different things. And so for me, you know, I never joined LinkedIn thinking, oh, I'm going to be an influencer. Like that wasn't even a thing back in 2015. It was more of like I just really enjoyed talking about these these different things and being a student and being so young, you know, it was kind of one of the only platforms that I actually could talk about them, because for a lot of students, we're not able to talk about those high level sort of theoretical aspects of our culture, unless it's through some sort of writing. And a lot of people chose Medium, but I really liked LinkedIn. I felt like it just had a bit more impact. And, you know, as years have changed, there's been times that I've thought, oh, well, maybe I should switch to Instagram or, oh, I should, you know, have a different main platform platform but on LinkedIn there's definitely this growing sense of community and very much like a two-way street like a lot of the people who follow me not only do I follow back and I'm even connected with but you know we ask each other about you know how is this event how is that you know I'll say I'm doing a project and three months later somebody will comment hey how'd that project out." so I think for me LinkedIn has always been such a a more like authentic sort of experience than a lot of the other platforms that's not to say that i have no social media understanding in terms of the other platforms because i've worked in youtube i've worked a little bit with instagram i've worked on a couple different platforms more on sort of the brand strategy side and then this summer i'm going to launch my instagram so mostly because i think in this day and age you kind of have to be multi-platform there's not necessarily A ton of people who do well with just being on one platform and creating content that way. But for me, LinkedIn has always been my
0: main. So that's so interesting that you are not on Instagram at all. I was just reading the other day that 73% of people your age, like, between 13 and 24, so...
1: Well, I do have a personal Instagram, but it's one of those things where it's never been tied to this idea of, like, me growing a followership. Like, it's actually kind of funny because a lot of the other young influencers on LinkedIn have, like, thousands of followers, and I have, like, 400 because I think I've just... It's one of those platforms that I felt like I had to be on. It's kind of like how a lot of people think about Facebook now. Like you just have to be on because everybody's on it. That's kind of how I viewed Instagram for a really long time. That's changing. But I think for me, for a lot of people too, who are more sort of entrepreneurial, they sort of gravitate towards LinkedIn before Instagram.
0: Would you say that there are certain platforms that your generation feels they have to utilize out of obligation? Because in my reading, but again, I'm coming from a, I'm a generation older than you all and I grew up with Facebook. Do you feel like Facebook and Instagram are now those platforms of obligation that your generation is using outside of the entrepreneurial aspect, like of your view on LinkedIn?
1: I think Facebook definitely is. I mean, most of my friends don't create content on Facebook. What they do is they go in the rsvp for that event that's happening on campus on saturday it's one of those things where because there's so many different use cases for facebook you're able to have events and you're able to really have engaging groups and stuff like that that it does feel like an obligation For Instagram, I think there's actually kind of a new renaissance happening recently where I think Instagram kind of started as this place for photographers and for models and, you know, people who wanted to look super photoshopped. And once that wave kind of ended, I think a lot of people were kind of so-so on the platform. I mean, it definitely was one of the top platforms, but you kind of saw a little bit of dip and now there's kind of a new renaissance coming where a lot of people who are entrepreneurs or who, you know, have businesses and who have careers are starting to go on the platform and showcase that.
0: That, I mean, you're absolutely right. I feel like I got an Instagram back in 2012 when I got my first iPhone back when it was an app just for people with iOS, mind you. And in that case, I never would have imagined that there's opportunity for thousands and thousands of people to be following you. I think I had like 50 friends and they were from school and it was just, I would share a picture every now and then and it didn't care. But it has grown into this unique platform. And I think people have moved away from Facebook and taken a lot of what they would have originally done on Facebook and are now curating it so carefully on Instagram. I think it's it's a really interesting space. Do you think that the some of that renaissance has come from stories and the fact that Instagram is now more multimedia than it was in its origin?
1: Definitely. And I think it's not even the multimedia aspect. I think a lot of it is now you can really curate Um, like a brand on the platform, because when it's just a stream of photos, it's really hard to sort of have this overarching theme or have these different motifs that you can really, you know, stand up next to. But now with stories and you see with descriptions and you see, you know, even some people who the photo isn't that important, but the caption's super important and people will go and just for the captions. It's almost like a humans of New York situation. I think that's when people really started to view it as like, you know, even though it doesn't have all the capabilities of Facebook, maybe this is where I can really hold like my personal brand.
0: I think you're 100 percent correct. And you brought up a really interesting point about people are now moving towards creating content on multiple platforms. Do you think that that is common among people your age within Generation Z, or do you think that that's something more so that are trying to build more of a professional brand? I'm really interested about this because I know it's something that I've looked at, like what does my personal Facebook versus my professional Facebook versus my LinkedIn versus my Instagram versus my Twitter, what goes where?
1: Yeah, I think that's a really good question. And it's something that I've personally seen within my own sort of growth as a personal brand change. Um, Like I said, I have like 400 followers on Instagram because Instagram was never my platform. And I think in general, my generation tends to have – like one platform, one or two that they really hold true to. You're seeing this a lot right now with Snapchat, where a lot of the people who are on Snapchat are now switching to Instagram. And it's kind of what we used to say like back when the internet was getting popular, how people only actually visit about 10 sites uh, on a regular basis. If there's any more than that, it's going to have to knock out one of the other 10 in order to get to that level of consistency. And it's kind of the same with social media. Like if you're doing it for like your own personal gain or for your friends, it's one of those things where you don't want to have so many platforms that you constantly have to check because it's not within sort of our human nature to do that. It's more for personal branding because I think for personal brands, they want to be wherever the attention is as much as possible. So, especially for me, like I have to launch my Instagram because I realize that I have a huge audience that's young. Instagram isn't something that I would personally like have a huge have a huge favor for, but I think it's one of those things where because I'm trying to grow my personal brand and I know there's eyeballs there, I have to be there too.
0: Well, don't worry, I'll go follow you because I just love your (laughs) content. So don't worry, I'll be one of your thousands of followers, which I'm sure will come not long after you launch that.
1: Oh, thank you.
0: (laughs) I'm I'm on the edge of my seat now. So we kind of started to get into this like what Generation Z is thinking is cool. And this is part of this podcast is me just understanding what is cool and where you all are hanging out. Not because I want to hang out there just because. <laughs> but no, I want to kind of, like what are some of the, if you had to speak for Members of your generation, whether that be your classmates or your friends online, what are some of the perspectives on Generation Z in terms of social media? What's cool right now? What's not cool? Um, Because I think there's a little bit of speculation that Generation Z is on all of the social media with us knowing that. So Snapchat has been heavily popular for a while, but are there any underlying secrets that us old people need to know about?
1: Yeah. I mean, I definitely think that there's been a consolidation of platforms within the last, I want to say like five years, honestly. I mean, you had Periscope, Meerkat, Vine, you had all these platforms that people were on that now are either dead or
0: no one's on them. Um, I have no idea what Meerkat is and it's gone already.
1: (laughs) So Meerkat was like Periscope. They were competitors.
0: Okay, okay, cool. Um,
1: Yeah, Um, Gary Vaynerchuk was notoriously an investor in Meerkat. So that's how it kind of gained popularity. But I think for kind of going back to your question, Snapchat is one of those things where I think it's dead. Like, I know that's like kind of a controversial opinion, but it's one of those things where they haven't been able to create a unique value proposition for its users versus Instagram. So I think I've seen almost all of my friends – end their Snapchat and go over to Instagram just entirely because it's like, what's, what's the purpose of this? And then when they created that new update where you have all the brands on one side and all your friends on the other, none of my friends would go to the brand side, which is a problem for Snapchat because then they're not monetizing. So Snapchat's kind of dead Twitter. I mean, I have friends on it, but it's like a very hit or miss platform. Like I'm not on Twitter, I don't think i will ever get on twitter like there's just not enough eyeballs there and there's not enough content being created by my friends to follow so i think that's like dead in terms of what's popular instagram's like the number one by far um i mean facebook we we mentioned it's kind of an obligatory one instagram people actually want to follow and then, you know, I'm a little biased, but I think LinkedIn's also kind of growing, especially with my generation, which has been super surprising because it was always like this old person platform that people would go on when they had these huge careers, or, you know, it would be the 25 year old who hasn't gotten a job since graduating and they're struggling to find a job. But now you're seeing with so much entrepreneurship and so many sort of untraditional career paths in my generation, LinkedIn's becoming this really popular platform to sort of showcase the ways that we're kind of navigating through this new job market.
0: I think it's really interesting you bring up LinkedIn because I think that from what I know about Generation Z in my research is that y'all are very, very focused on your careers. And with LinkedIn being so focused on, I don't want to say professional development, but really more professionally focused content and having, I think, thoughtful conversations or thought-provoking posts about careers, I, I wonder, and I think that you're seeing it more than I am, more of a student growth or a young person's growth of this being a, a platform that's not, as you said, just searching for a job or building an alumni network after you graduate. So I think you're, you're spot on and you probably see it more potently than I do just in your work on LinkedIn.
1: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, even within the campus editor program, which is all students, when I was campus editor back in 2015, there was 20, 22, 23 other campus editors. And we were like the only students making content on the platform. It felt like, and now, you know, I helped host an event last week that was uh, a LinkedIn meetup with the LA Clippers. And the majority of people there were students and they were students creating content. And I remember one of my friends even got mistaked for a LinkedIn campus editor because they were like, yeah, you create great content on the platform. You're a LinkedIn campus editor, right? And she was like, no, no, I'm not. I just, I create content. I think it's interesting. So there's definitely been, even within the last couple of years, a shift where it's very much more student focused and not, not necessarily to get a job, I think, too. It's more of kind of what you're talking about of creating these really thought-provoking conversations around work and career and education as well.
0: I want you to also, you're so humble in the fact they are like, yeah, I just like helped put together this small event (laughs) with the LA Clippers. How many people were actually at that event?
1: Um, So there was about over 100 people and it was at Staples Center. It was on sort of their rooftop little courtyard area. And it was right before, it was half sort of a networking session at that courtyard and then half actually an LA Clippers, LA Lakers game.
0: And you... You had people coming in from all over the country, correct? Because I was kind of following a little bit of, of your story with all of this on LinkedIn. You had people from all over pretty much the West Coast, or did you have people across the country coming in as well?
1: So that was kind of the interesting part for me because I go to USC and Staples Center is literally down the street. So to see people come in from Toronto, from Chicago, from Seattle, just for this one event that was happening, you know, literally just for one night, that was really kind of crazy to me. But I think it spoke a lot to how much community is valued on the platform, especially compared to other social media platforms where people really value that like human to human connection in addition to connecting online.
0: I think you bring up a really interesting point about community in social media? Because a lot of people think that social media is about posting your selfie and how great your vacation was and kind of like fabricating and in some ways curating this almost like unrealistic lifestyle. Would you say that people in Gen Z that you know of are really seeking out community more so on their platforms?
1: I would say so. I mean, I think you see it a little bit in some of the other social media platforms as well. I know with Reddit, especially, you kind of see this idea of like community and shared experience. I think a big part of it is a lot of sort of my generation grew up online and we had these online personas. And as we're starting to get older and we're starting to, you know, be in college and it's at the point where you don't see your friends every day in class. You have to go out and make a point to see them. So having that sort of authenticity to the online connections becomes so valuable. And it also becomes almost like a scarce good because we're also very used to you know, sort of the BS that can happen on social media where, you know, someone's being ingenuine. So then when someone is authentic, it's almost like, oh, my God, like, thank you for being authentic. Thank you for actually like caring and asking me how my day was and, you know, even simple things like that. So I think a lot of it is just like, regardless of the generation, I think we still kind of crave to talk to each other in person and match, you know, a body to the face that we've seen online. I think that's also a big misconception about our generation is that like all we do is go online when really, I think for me, at least, and what I've seen in the LinkedIn community, online was just another gateway to build the community in person.
0: That was such a beautiful quote. I know,
1: I know. Oh my God, someone stitched out on a pillow. (laughs)
0: Don't tell me you have that talent as well. Where do you find the time? (laughs) So this has just been so interesting. And I feel like this is just me being an older generation. And it's weird because my generation sort of started social media. So to learn from a younger person about how it's evolved and how you all have really adopted this, what advice do you have for older generations when it comes to Generation Z and social media? I know that you've done some work in this space, actually working with older generations through your internships. But if you had to give advice for people that are of older generations, trying to understand Gen Z and social media, what are some of the, the nuggets of wisdom you would pass along?
1: I think that's a really good question. And it's actually something that I was asked about in the past couple of days a lot, because I've had a couple of people sort of come up to me and, you know, they were talking, one of the girls was saying, you know, Natalie, I'm scared to talk about vulnerability. I see all these young students talking about vulnerability because they have nothing to lose. And I kind of pushed back on it and I said, we have stuff to lose. We are trying to get jobs. We're trying to be, you know, adults and have lives and everything. Like, we definitely have things to lose. But we also are one of the, I think, first generations with social media to understand that vulnerability on the platform, on many platforms, but especially on LinkedIn is actually really valuable to people and it creates this sense of empathy. I think empathy is starting to become such a powerful tool through social media that we haven't necessarily seen before. Kind of going back to when we were talking about Instagram, I think there's this perception of, you know, we have these photoshopped bikini shots that we post on Instagram, but now with sort of this new renaissance with a lot of sort of Gen Zers becoming older and getting into college and whatnot, we're starting to create really impactful changes, not only in terms of how we connect and how we talk person to person, but also in the topics that we discuss. We're very, we're very passionate about talking about social issues and bringing up those difficult conversations and doing it in a way that is never, you know, trying to be a social justice warrior about it, but also trying to sort of break through some of the smoke and mirrors that does happen on social media. So I think that's one of the biggest misconceptions that hopefully, as time passes, people start to realize that social media is not, you know, this glamorized version of yourself. We're just sort of trying to demonstrate and publicize sort of our daily lives. And I think that's going to be really interesting to see going forward how that manifests.
0: I think that's a really great point, because I think there's definitely a misconception about how young people utilize social media and how y'all are still developing your your identities and who you are and it's such an interesting space to do that online where if you wanted to thousands of people could follow you as you're growing up and kind of understanding how the world operates and you know how things work. So I think it's a really that's a really unique way to put it of this idea that you're trying to be vulnerable but this has just always been a part of your life and in your peers' lives. So my last question really What is your favorite thing or things about your generation?
1: Oh, that's such a good question. (laughs) I think that for my generation, I love how we are about creating meaningful change and not in this sense of like, we want to create the next Uber or like, I mean, don't get me wrong. There's people who want to create the next Uber. But I think for a lot of people, and I've learned this a lot through my content as well, that I recently, like recently, I created a post about diversity. And some of the I posted in two engagement groups, and one was sort of an older audience, and one was sort of a younger audience. Remember, the older audience was like, yeah, this is this is great, like way to go. And then the younger audience was like, this is so important, like we should be trying to publicize, we should be utilizing social media in such a way, where we're able to really create change. I mean, you see that with so many different student groups right now. I mean, even with like the Parkland shooting survivors, you're seeing a lot of young students utilize technology in a way that creates meaningful change for different groups. And I just think that's awesome. Like I... It's one of those things where I think when people say, "Oh, you're so young! Like you should you should live a little bit more in the world," I think, yeah, you know, maybe you have a point, but I also think it's awesome that we're trying to do these things, especially for groups that maybe we don't even identify in. So I think that's definitely my favorite part.
0: That's one of my favorite parts about you too. I see that so frequently and whether it's reading the news or interacting with young people like you or seeing students and the way that you're standing up for for other people and thinking about other people that maybe it's not even an identity group you belong to but you just know it's right that other people need to be included and protected and well natalie cannot thank you enough for coming on and sharing your insights.
1: thank you this has been awesome i really enjoyed it i think these these types of conversations are more what not only me but i think a lot of students my age like to talk about
0: I use social media just about every day of my life, and being able to chat with Natalie gave me some new insights and perspectives on social media. Hearing Natalie's story reassures me about Generation Z. Not that I needed much reassurance that they're great, but beyond Snapchats and selfies, social media is providing an environment for young people to find community and create change. Sure, social media can be a place to build an online identity, gain a following, and curate your presence, but for Gen Z, it's a place they've grown up, come to know themselves, and interact with the rest of the world. Thank you for tuning into this episode of hashtag Gen Z and a big thank you to Natalie Riso. If you haven't yet, go give her a follow on LinkedIn and keep an eye out for her Instagram account coming soon. I can vouch that her content is good stuff. I hope you enjoyed learning a little bit more about Generation Z and social media. I can't thank you all enough for your support and positive feedback. And I have had a few people reach out with episode suggestions and questions. Please keep those coming. If you have something you'd like me to explore and chat more about on this podcast, head over to my website, meganmgrace.com, and drop me a line. When possible, I want to answer some of those questions in a timely manner, so I'll try to answer a question at the end of each episode. The first question comes from a former student of mine, Catherine. Catherine reached out and asked, my job spans globally. I'm certain there are different cultural norms that create different behaviors in generations, but as our managers have more global teams, what are the main differences in Generation Z you've seen geography by geography, if there are any? So this is actually a question I get often, and I'm looking more into understanding how our research applies to global context in different countries. We recognize our data is pretty North American-centric, but we're hoping to change that in the near future and continue to broaden our understanding of Generation Z. However, there are some aspects of our findings that span across countries. Consider the influence of technology on communication, relationship building, access to information, etc. Smartphones and technology have an impact on Generation Z regardless of where they live in the world. And as we grow into a more globalized world, we will see and experience some issues and events that take place across the globe, regardless of where we're at. So to sum up an answer I'm still working on and hope to continue to work on, think of the contextual influences that shape Generation Z, the economy, politics, societal events, and technology to name a few, um, and how those contexts might influence behaviors and how that influence might be taking place on a global scale. So if there's something that truly is happening and people are talking about it around the world, it's probably having an impact on Generation Z across the world. So thanks, Catherine, for kicking us off with a great question, and keep them coming. If you like what you hear, don't forget to subscribe so you don't miss a thing. And if you really like what you hear, rate and review this podcast in your preferred platform. And don't forget to tell a friend. You never know who might be interested in learning more about Generation Z. Thanks again. Let's continue this conversation. We'll chat soon. Spin your passion into a business of Shopify and break sales records with the world's best converting checkout. Let's hear that one more time